Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Revenue Growth Architects podcast. It's me and Xander today. And yeah, Charlie's on jury duty. I feel like for, for those of you who are listening, we've been like pretty surprised by how many people say how jealous they are of Charlie for being in jury duty because I think it's like the last thing that I would want to do. But for all of you who Charlie's living out your like CSI or true crime dreams, you know, message him on LinkedIn and let him know because I feel like he'll need those words of encouragement right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Any more on that soon. But yeah, so today I want to start off with a, a story like we have been doing. And one thing that we see a lot of times with clients is an overuse of email. Most recently, you know, we have seen at least a company who, you know, I think when you have, you're trying to drum up business, this is like a very easy thing to fall into, but you're getting pressure from your CEO, you're getting pressure from the board of like, you need to drum up some engagement, you need to generate your MQLs, you need to be able to show progress against your accounts that you're actually trying to engage them. And there's a lack of budget to do that too, a lack of people, a lack of time. And so there's always the case where there's a reliance on email. And so we saw recently where there was a big push to send a lot of kind of like sales outbound email, but marketing was sending it and pushing it through to thousands of cold leads. And you might get one response and that one response just, you know, says to the team, let's just keep doing that. And in the interim, there's a lot of list management, there's data that gets messed up, there's this push for more volume and pushing it out really fast, which then leads to more mistakes and thousands of emails being sent out to the wrong people, unsubscribe rates to all these prospects that they want to engage, and very little output. One, they didn't hit their MQL goals that they thought, yeah, because you don't really generate MQLs from just cold emails. And then two, they aren't getting the SQLs they really want because if a company doesn't know about you, why would they want to take the meeting, even if you had the most amazing email. So this brain prey tactic is just not working. And CS2 came in with some objections, uh, suggestions on what to do to actually meet their goals and maybe preserve their subscribe rates. <laughs> Sander, how common is that? <laughs> Have I nailed that? Do you, like, it's just like a tale's oldest time, like I've said before, but. Yeah, it's one example of many, right? I understand. I mean, you you highlighted the true issue, which is we need to be able to do more with less. Oh, I already have a marketing automation tool. Let's just email the database. Mm-hmm. Or I already have a data vendor. Let's just bring in 42,000 new records and start our brand new email campaign against them. And they have no idea who you are. And it's far easier to hit the unsubscribe or block spam button than it is to even tell somebody that you're not interested. So you're not getting that engagement, but you are getting this fallacy that it's working because you got some engagement and you're ignoring the fact that like you're being ignored by a a number of these people. And then you're also being outright like blocked for future engagement with these people who are unsubscribing. Yeah. And I think that this, you know, there's been some, uh, research that's been coming out. I actually really like a lot of the 
if people don't follow John Miller on LinkedIn, X Marketo, uh, used to work with him, but some of his content recently about marketing it now. And today, you know, to set the stage, we're going to be talking about how you should approach email strategy in 2024. And I think a big thing to support that is, you know, buyers are a bit numb to email. They're just not engaging with email the way that they used to. The tactics that we're using to try and engage them via email just isn't really working. And a lot of that is when it's done from this like big volume based or trying to engage people with like your white paper that you graded or whatnot. And the fact is like all the other companies are doing that too. But also people are way less, you know, more resistant to that type of marketing just because we're so numb to it. You know, 10 years later, like it's very rare that we're going to get a cold email and be like, yes, I want that product unless it's really, really good, really personalized, really timely. And there's, you know, a good enough hook there to and you know, it's not just sent from a marketing automation platform. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And actually, that's a good segue. But if I think for the big thing about emails, it's a big part of your buyer experience. And a lot of people think, oh, how can I make things more personalized? So what do you think, Xander, are some of like the kind of do's and don'ts for trying to do personalization for email, especially now, like after we've seen some clients and people in the market like attempt to do it? What do you think are some of the do's and don'ts? Yeah, I think that you really have to start to define what what do we really mean by personalization? You know, if if I think about a sales engagement approach, typically what I'm seeing people do is go out to LinkedIn, figure out where they're working, maybe figure out where they went to college, find something that will grab their eye, right? And and you get it all the time. Hey, River Falls. How was it like going to college at River Falls, which was my undergrad. And I get all the time. And I kid you not, I could care less what my undergrad was. So it's like the worst attempt to do some sort of personalization. It's like, great, you looked me up on LinkedIn, but like, you're not solving my problem uniquely. And that to me is what personalization is about. It's not even getting to the individual person, right? We'll talk about tokens maybe a little bit in the future, but like, I just want to make sure that the message that you're sending to me is applicable to where I'm at in my career, in my role and the problems that I'm trying to solve. Yes, I love that. Oh my God, I got an email like that the other day and it was like, oh, you're in the Bay Area, like go Lakers if you're a fan. I'm like, first of all, it's actually go Warriors because like if I'm in the Bay Area, why would I like be a Laker fan? It's all the way in LA and that's like, that's like nine hours away, like in traffic. So <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it just didn't land well. Cause anyway, so it was one of those things I wanted to respond back and be like, I think it was because he was just looking at it being in California, actually, not the Bay Area, but still, that's even more so. Like it wasn't even that relevant. And to your point, too, I'll get something about like my undergrad or where I'm like located. And it's like that has nothing to do with my wanting to care about like what you're trying to say. And so I think to your point, I think the big thing is like not so much like personalization about like the person and trying to look like you have some knowledge on them, but really like truly understanding the persona or some compelling events at the account 
or understanding the buying team or something and figuring out like what will actually be a good use case for them and hook that's going to help them. I mean, the thing is B2B, we're just trying to sell tools to help them do their job better. And then that company's trying to sell another company a tool to help them do the job better. You know, it's like, it's on and on and on. And so trying to figure out for them, like why they should care, how it's going to help them with the goals that they have that do their job better or make the company more efficient, help them hit their goals and less about, you know, am I a Laker fan? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we all have feet, but it doesn't mean that we all wear the same shoes. No, yeah, I like that. It's one of those like, let's say that your, your target industry is tech. Well, within tech, there's different people within those realms. There's different angles that each of these companies are trying to approach and you need to be able to find ways to segment your database appropriately and then have the right messaging aligned with those segmentations Mm -hmm. and so it's really difficult when when i'm like talking with a client or even talking with a friend and it's like oh do you have persona-based segmentation messaging and it's always like that's going to come in the future i don't have time for it today yeah. But yet we're doing all of this marketing and all of this activity, but we haven't even really been able to like actually identify what these buyers are going to need to do the mm-hmm. most. It's like, I'd rather us slow down on all of the activity and make the activity more meaningful. That's so true. And I think that's the big thing that's getting in the way of companies is like they're looking for the easiest, fastest way. Because I think we think of an email channel as like, just free and like let's just use this however which we want and we just need to show activity and why would we need to slow down it's like well are you are you just trying to show the revenue team that you're just doing something or are you actually trying to get results because i think if you actually show results like it's just gonna be a way better conversation with a revenue team than you just saying, hey, we did all these email campaigns or we're sending to all these accounts to all these people. And I think like for marketing, you can actually better show the rest of the company, like even your sales team, what personalization really is, like help them be more mindful when they're selecting their accounts, who to go after, what research to do, and then provide them with great examples on templates they can edit and so really lead that because salespeople by nature like they're not marketers and especially like SDRs they're not really anything yet they're just trying to figure out their way in the business world because they're usually a bit junior and so I think setting the practices there will help inform you know just what works because a lot of the time everyone's always going to go to the quickest (laughs) easiest way So I agree with you, like nailing down your personas, nailing down your segmentations, really leveraging your funnel data. If you don't have any, going back to that to try and figure out where people are in your funnel so you can best market to them appropriately. For sure. What do you think about tokens? Using tokens in your emails? I think that if you are sending large amount of email even when i say large i mean like more than just like a one-to-one email and you can double check (laughs) the data on the person i'm not a fan usually of tokens unless you're like really confident that the data is good i just don't think it's really like useful 
yes, for certain things, like you're sending out some autoresponders or something like that, and you need to leverage their data for an event and confirm it and things like that. That's totally fine. But like, I just don't see a benefit to like using a first name token, especially when it's like big boss emails, company name. (laughs) There's so many ways you can write a company name in the system. And so thinking about how awkward would that look in an email? And it's actually a telltale sign to show that like you did send this in mass and it's automated and so forth. And so when we think about email, it's less about like, hey, how can I trick the prospect? Like there's no tricking anyone anymore. We know they know what tools we use. It's more the actual value of the email. What's actually going to land? What's going to be useful to them? Is the content engaging? And that I think is what really matters. Like we send a newsletter and it's not like we do a lot of personalization to the actual person name and stuff like that, even though we could because our database is really clean. But people are going to be more engaging with it just based on the content alone, not the fact that they see their first name in it. Yeah, provide value. That's that's the absolute first thing that you should be thinking about is when you're working with your marketing teams and they're saying, "Okay, I need to send out this email because I need to get an MQL. That's not that's not value that you're providing at that point. You're just trying to get an MQL or you're just trying to get a webinar registration. Right. So what value are you providing that you can highlight with the channel of email? Let's start there. And then I think that we're going to start to see better, better email performance going into into the new year. One of the things that we're talking about is is a lot of the marketing automation side, which is really important, but it's also important to think about all, all of the other tools because the buyer doesn't care if it's coming from marketing or if it's coming from sales or coming from the product. They care it's coming from your company and your brand, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's another thing with like, we're talking about email in 2024, but it's like right now over the past few years, there's a lot of email that can come from different tools. Like there's so many tools at a company's disposal to send email that are hitting your prospects and customers, whether it's your map, your sales engagement platform, even from like your product, like they might be tied up to SendGrid to send out emails if you have a PLG in motion and then just people like alone. And so the more you can kind of incorporate or know like large amount of emails or campaigns and stuff being sent out, not just around like out of your market automation platform, that'll just better help with your orchestration. We've had a few other podcasts about email orchestration at companies that would definitely suggest going and listening to those because we go into more depth. But we can't just think about what's being sent out out of the marketing automation platform. It needs to go way beyond that to get a better sense of like, okay, how much email is our company actually sending to prospects and how might we be stepping over each other's toes? Yeah. And I know that there's changes that are coming in 2024, specifically with, I think, Gmail and Yahoo right now, but it's going to continue to increase over time. And it's already been in place when you think about enterprise domains of if you get a certain number of emails being sent to the same domain at the same time or within a certain time frame, like they're going to block you. They're going to they're, they're going to completely block your domain. And now you've lost your your free channel is becoming useless across your prospect base and across your customer base. So it's really critical. Doesn't matter if it's coming out of a marketing automation tool, a sales engagement tool, a product tool. It's coming from your domain. And they're going to count it. Definitely. I think 
I think a rule of thumb too, like if you're sending more more than 50 emails to the same domain in under a minute, which most platforms, if you're sending it all at one time, you you would, you could get marked as spam. And that's just like always been kind of recently in place. And so that definitely sways you from like the spray and pray kind of like, let's just pull an email out of Zoom Info or any other tool and just send to them. You need to be very selective. So I think with that in mind, like do the education internally too. Because I think a lot of the people that are architecting these campaigns are not thinking about that. But if you're an architect and you're seeing like the data, you're seeing the unsubscribes, you're seeing like our lack of email deliverability, get that information out to your teams who are coming up with the strategy instead of then you just having to then like halt that campaign last minute or, you know, let them just go ahead with a strategy that you know just isn't going to work. And this is where MOPS can really be more strategic, just another way where you can help lead the strategy with the team here. Love it. Should we dive into, you know, some of the insights that we can pull around email and maybe some ways that we should be thinking about that next year? Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll kick that to you. Like when you think about like email performance and what do you think is kind of a good way to to start looking at that? Because I think also some a lot of email performance has been tracked back to some vanity metrics like email opens and like, like general clicks. And I feel like those aren't very useful. So what about you think now what's a better way to look at performance for email? It really comes down to how we do a lot of our lead sourcing with clients of emails, a channel, right? So clicking an email is not a campaign success, right? We are typically not sending email campaign responses back over to Salesforce and showing that this email got 30,000 opens. That's not success, right? But instead, what we're trying to do is we're trying to capture what was the CTA of the said email? Was it to go back to the website and download something more? Was it to go to an ungated asset? And then finding ways, basically utilizing the UTM parameters that you have on those emails to say, okay, how many people within this time period actually went to the website or filled out a Mm -hmm. form or filled out a request a demo and really start to show emails performance when it comes to the true leading indicators of conversion. And potentially improving velocity across the funnel, but by doing that based upon the activity that they're taking back on the web and with your brand. Because at the end of the day, like there's just so much impacting our vanity metrics. It's useful to know from a directional standpoint, you know, if again, if we can see that nobody's opening this email, Maybe we shouldn't keep on sending that email week after week after week. Maybe we should change things up. But if we're really mm-hmm. trying to figure out like what is the impact of email having on on our business, we've got to go a little bit deeper and a little uh, a level further on that by utilizing those UTMs and then tracing that back to tipping point or campaign performance. I totally agree. Like when you talk about like the the goals of campaigns, like email is a channel to try and get a conversion. And I think that's a big thing to like change the mindset. I think a lot of the time we think an email campaign is the campaign itself, but like the true kind of conversion is usually on whatever offer you're trying to promote, whether that's for an event or, you know, you have a new asset or a calculator or something like that that you're trying to give value to the prospect. And so like that offer is usually what you have a campaign for. 
And so you can track the conversion there, but then also stamping your UTMs on the campaign member. We're going a little bit detailed, but like that is a better way to track it. So you can see, okay, overall for this offer, was email a better channel for it? Was paid social a better channel for it? Was, you know, just having our website a good driver for it? People always want to think of a nurture as a campaign. It's like, no, that's still your channel that you're trying to get a conversion for and really tracking the conversion and nurture being that channel is the right way to think about um, performance to me. Because you're really just trying to like email's a lever, a lever that you're pulling to try and get engagement. So I totally agree with that. The comparison that I like to pull is, you know, we don't report on impressions from social or impressions from display as like conversion success, right? So that's kind of the equivalent of reporting on email with their opens and click-through rates of those are kind of your impressions more than they are the actual conversion point that you can say, this is what drove said behavior. Yeah. And I think from a sales engagement platform, so thinking about that, those type of, that type of email and also calls and everything, like when you have like a sequence or a cadence or whatever you're um, setting up from whatever tool, HubSpots or other sales engagement tools as well, the metrics are going to look different. The whole goal for some of those is just trying to get a response or a connection. And those tools can actually usually give you that data now. And if you're tracking activities to it, you can actually look at, okay, we have an activity for connections and it was tied to this global sequence, which I highly suggest using global sequences or cadences and stuff for your sales team. But that's a different goal and so a different way that you're going to look at things. But instead of just looking at, okay, how much volume did we send out? How many general clicks are we getting? But what about connections, responses? something you want to track. And a lot of the tools give you the ability to get those insights. And so making sure you're tracking that because that'll help inform your strategy too. If you see that one email in a sequence has better response rate, that's all things that you can better inform your strategy. For sure. All right. Well, I think the last thing we want to talk about is around efficiency, which I think we've talked a lot. There's been like a lack of... um a lack of efficiency for email. And I think that's just because, like we said, this channel has been kind of overused. It's very high volume and it's quick. But how do you think as far as like when we think about efficiency, how do you think that plays a role into like rethinking the strategy for 2024, especially everything that we've talked about like now? Like what are some of the things that the team can put in place to like increase efficiency there? You said, you know, how can we be more efficient with the strategy? And I'm going to start with, let's have an email strategy. <laughs> let's start there. Let's just have one. <laughs> let's just have one. Uh, no, but but like, if we're thinking about it in the right way, we're talking about segmentation, personalizing our emails toward our buyers. Let's start thinking about what is the communication plan in 2024 that we want to go? Is there a specific message that we are trying to get across over the next three to four months and what are the variety of segments that we have to target within that time period and then we can drill into what is going to be the maybe mini nurture maybe it's not an ongoing nurture but it's a it's a nurture that you're going to take somebody through over the course of the next four months because email is so easy to do usually it becomes oh no we need more volume let's do an email as opposed to how can we really capture the demand that we already have started 
Right. And get them into the right place, you know? Mm -hmm. So I would say, I would say that let's start with an email strategy and build that out across the team. And then we can fit it in with all of the other things. So if we have an event that's coming in, let's bring that into the email campaign. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, taking like a, a, a divergent with those people that we might be targeting for an event or a webinar series, but we can keep the message flowing all throughout. Yeah, definitely. I think to your point, like thinking about goals and well, one mapping out like what is expected by our experience, kind of you're thinking about, okay, when we do acquire someone, like how do we want their journey to be? Because I think a lot of the times you're right, like there's no real, like real sense of like what's happening. You might have a nurture that you put someone through, but like a lot of the time it's outdated. It hasn't been, you know, it's been there for years, but then people are like, but we're sending out emails anyway. And So it doesn't really matter. And it's like, well, this is a whole collective kind of thing. Like, how does your nurture differ from some of the emails you send out for events? Or do you want to then send a newsletter instead for some things like that? Like, think, really think about your buyer. But also, like, when you do acquire a name now, how you're marketing to that person who then said, yes, I want to, like, hear from you. (laughs) is your one chance to impress them. And so if that isn't really nailed down and good, I would say like start there before anything else, like you mentioned. And then the second thing is if you do have a lot of people who maybe in the past were MQLing too early or you want to adjust, how do we remarket to people who maybe didn't get the due diligence that they have? Or if you know that there are certain reasons why people are being sent back to marketing, like really actually using a nurture the way it was previously intended. A nurture was meant to be like to really also re-engage people. It's why people will say sometimes call it like back to nurture instead of recycled. And so really going back to figure out, okay, how can we adjust the messaging based on, you know, their budget or case studies and things like that to get them kind of continue to be um have your prospect or your product like top of mind for the prospect. Um, I think has been and I don't know, just abandoned. Like no one really has that anymore. And so really thinking that through. And then I think just if you are really strapped on time and resources and you're a small marketing team, really, I did this with a client recently from a more strategy um, work with the client, but thinking through, okay, we actually just took their quarterly OKRs and then we actually mapped a new I said, okay, but we should be, you know, setting up our goals or campaigns back to those OKRs. Like, how are we going to help you hit those OKRs with those campaigns instead of just like, let's just do the status quo, what we think is the right thing to do aimlessly, like random acts of marketing. I'm like, let's just stick to a few core things that can execute really well that also then support the goal of your OKRs and really map out who that audience is and make sure it's like really well defined. And I think that that not only got them out of this, like, you know, spending hours and hours on things that weren't going to work, but now we can lean back and say, okay, we can actually show to the executive team that the efforts that we're putting in actually support the goals that we have. And so that keeps you more focused, you know, doing the right things um, instead of doing a lot of things (laughs) is a better (laughs) approach. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Speaking of doing a lot of things, I think that the other the other piece of being more efficient with your email strategy and, and email execution 
is enabling an email calendaring system. Yes. And making sure that this is cross-functional. Uh, as we mentioned, there's a lot of different systems that are sending out emails. There's a lot of different teams that are sending out emails. So it's really important, um, you know, have something that is documented. And from a platform perspective, you know, this can be an Excel sheet, a Google sheet. It can be a project management board. You can have this in Notion. Like there's a lot of options for you to create this. Uh, what we recommend is making sure that it's something agnostic to the tool that's sending out the emails, just because then you can incorporate all of the different channels that are coming through. And then honestly, bring those people together for an air traffic meeting and just make mm -hmm. sure like my audience over here really needs this message this week. So let's not send them the generic message that is going out to the rest of the database. Having that opportunity for all teams to come together and be on the same page pays dividends. So if you're not doing that right now, I think it's a great cleanup and, and get to work on bringing all of those folks together and making sure that we're delivering a good customer experience to the people yes. that we are messaging. Yeah. I like that you mentioned that too, because we were recently at our CS2 team offsite. And I think someone mentioned to the COPS team, like, hey, do any of our clients have like a really good email calendar? And I think we pointed to like one out of them. And that's a big thing that we try to educate our clients as part of the process, but it's really on them to kind of like own some of the, the calendaring. We just tell them like, what is a good use case? And we have a template for that but yeah it's one area that i think a lot of the a lot of teams don't have even though you think of it as being very like i don't know rudimentary kind of but a lot of the time it's missing so yeah so or it's I just think too limited you know or it's, it's just, just like, yeah it's just marketing or and 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 then you're missing the full the full picture yeah and mark had to try to do their own calendar and you know that failed <laughs> but so don't do, yeah. And that was only looking at one tool. So I think that's a big, big thing. All right. So to sum it up, I'm going to go, I'm just going to do a recap of kind of a few things that you can start with. And, and Xander, you tell me after if I missed any. So the first thing I think really we're saying like map out your, your communication orchestration between your tools. Try to figure out how that aligns to your prospects and customers and really get insight into if there's like an overuse of email and, and things like that, because that can help start the conversation. And that can help better define your strategy. So if you are gonna, then going to, you know, inform, hey, we need a better strategy. This is what's happening now. This is what we should do. But starting with what's happening and doing assessment first, I think is the right thing to do. The second thing is really thinking about like the expectations of their buyer and customer when it comes to email. I think that's really like really good marketing is kind of like matching expectations and then setting the reality to match the expectations. Like that's happiness. Like, you know, it's like if your expectations are met with reality, it's usually what makes people happy. That's why sometimes it's good to have low expectations, but that's another podcast. I think review your, you know, your email strategy and then match that to what the prospect and customer expects with segmentation, timing, the messaging, and don't just fall back on just like simple tokenization and random details based on where someone's located and think that's going to work. <laughs> and then the last thing, the email calendar, really try and implement an email calendar, uh, use a cross-functional team that can 
update that to account for all the email channels. If it's like one-to-one things, you know, that doesn't need to be included, but just like really kind of big sends where there's a lot of overlap. And Marketing Ops is a great air traffic controller for this. So try and, you know, raise your hand to say like, hey, like we're going to be really mindful of this. And you can push back to people and say, okay, you want to get this email out today, but there's actually some limits that we want to stick to. And you can even put those limits in your tool as well, just as a safe measure, especially in your marketing automation platform. So not only put in the structure, put in the rigor, put in the email calendar, but also put some system limits in place, I think is a really good, good thing to do. But yeah, anything I missed, Sander? Uh, not that you missed, but you you called something out that we didn't go very deep into that I just want to that I want to highlight. And that is around if you've got a six year old nurture, it's time to brush that thing up. Ooh, so yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe at the top of the year or at the end of this year, take some time, take a look at your ongoing program, see if you have anything, hopefully not six years, but even if it's six months out of date, there may be new things that you need to brush up on those ongoing evergreen uh, nurture programs. Just make sure that what you do have running is hitting the right, the right buttons and hitting the right mm-hmm. note. Um, so take that time now. And I think that you will see a lot of improvement. Awesome. Yeah. And like maybe making it behavior based, like there's so many things that you can do. I think about where your leads are coming from, um, that you can make some changes there and trying to, like I said, match the expectations and delight them with your email instead of annoy them. That's the goal. That's the goal. Well, hopefully all of you enjoyed that episode um, of RGA today. If you did enjoy it, give us a like or a review um, or share with a colleague or friend. We'd really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Have a good one.